0: Hello, students, and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today I'm joined by my good friend, Andy Blanchard, and we'll be talking about the Jonathan Hickman soft reboot of 2019 House of X Powers of 10. Hi, Andy.
1: It's Powers of 10? I thought it was Powers of X. Hi, John.
0: <laughs> it's, our, it's our first secret reveal. <laughs> oh you, my have, God. You, you, you learned it's Powers of 10. Whoa! Because you recall that it's, it's that's how that's, that's the years. Of, oh,
1: also that's Moira. the years. Yeah, the okay, and she yeah. and
0: and she has and she has ten lives. Yes, yes, yes. yes Almost right. eleven so it's, it's, if she did something right. Apparently, yes. There's layers here. There's layers. Mm. Uh, first, I want to introduce you, Andy, and then I want to talk about the show. But uh, Andy, why don't you tell people what your background is in X Men in x-men comics and just comics in general where do you come from in all those things like what was your introduction to x-men originally
1: my introduction to x-men was the live action movies in the early 2000s actually really Uh, yep uh and then i think i watched the cartoon like the rerun cartoon but i definitely didn't watch the cartoon before that movie i definitely watched like the rerun syndication version of it um I have never read an X Men comic until this little homework assignment you gave me. <laughs> nice, I so love it. So I got thrown into the deep end with uh, yeah. House of X and Powers of Ten. Yeah, uh, just found that out. Um, and it was, it was a lot. I was lost. I was confused. I had to reread some things, but I felt like by the end of it, I got a good grasp on it. Yeah, and I think it was pretty good for a newcomer. It was a little overwhelming to begin with, but then once I stuck with it, because I texted you like last week when I didn't finish the homework assignment on time, I'm like, hey, I got like halfway through and I'm like spinning my wheels. I don't know. You're like, it's fine. You'll get, you can get through it. I kind of want this dynamic on the podcast. So I am not an X-Men, uh, I'm an X-Men novice. Gotcha. And you are the master. You are the, yeah, so.
0: Well, well. First and foremost, uh, I am not the master of X-Men, and I want to make sure that's very clear that while I am somebody who's been reading X-Men comics since I was seven years old, um, I'm also just generally a forgetful and idiotic person, and so uh, a lot of my memories of all these things kind of get mashed together and generalized, Um, so while I do have... An excessive amount of X Men knowledge. I want to put it out there that I'm gonna get things wrong. We're gonna get things wrong today. I'm gonna misname, misquote things. I'm gonna try to check, you know, my That's notes. That's what the comments and... are
1: for to correct you on everything.
0: Yeah, uh, but I just want to put that out there. Like, I don't think I'm the person who knows the most about uh, X Men or anything like that. I know I'm not. Um, but I'm just, I, I'm, I'm a long time enthusiast, three decades plus of reading and enjoying these comics. I have read comics. They were not my first comic ever, but they were my first comic that I loved. Um, and so I have just consistently bought and read them since then. Um, and the fact that you said you start in with the movies is I think really interesting so brian singer's x-men one yes was your first introduction to the x-men
1: yeah and for a little history lesson for the history of andy i was born in 92 so i was like eight when that came out so i felt wow like, um yeah so statue of, yeah statue of liberty was my first x-men like cinematic climax climaxing like, i think whoa. that's
0: i i think that's so cool because i hear from so many people that like their introduction was, in fact, the cartoons, mm-hmm. um, more so than anything, more so than the comics, more so than the movies. But I, I like the idea that you went in there and were introduced to Rogue by Anna Paquin, mm-hmm. and that was your first introduction to my, her.
1: Yeah, that's how I that's how I vision like Rogue to this day is Anna Paquin.
0: That's so funny because like we're gonna get into House of X and Powers of Ten, but I this was I, I'm it's it's interesting to me to hear someone get these characters defined in that way because. One of the things that Bryan Singer did very, let's say differently about X-Men and his movies, was he changed them a lot. It's like aesthetically and they all dynamically. Wore black. Yeah, and like even Anna Paquin's like portrayal of Rogue is not who I define as who Rogue is. Rogue is like, as a, I think Anthony Oliveira quoted this way, Rogue is actually like Dolly Parton with Superman powers. Like, that's who Ro- Rogue is supposed to be, this bombastic southern, uh, you know, big hair, big energy woman who, you know, oh. can fly and is indestructible. No,
1: she's um, kind of, she kind of just mopes around for three movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, and just wants to uh, make out with her boyfriend and be left alone and that kind of thing. Bobby. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's even weirder, the fact that you just said her boyfriend's Bobby, because her boyfriend isn't Bobby, it's it's Gambit, it's Remy LeBeau. Oh, no, it's Bobby, Iceman. <laughs> She's married to him now. Oh my god. Uh, but this is great, because, uh, this also just leads into an explanation of why I wanted to do this kind of a, uh, podcast was i've been wanting to do like an x-men podcast for a very long time i like the idea of doing a show like this about something that i'm this passionate about but i was trying to think of what angle there is worth you know uh commenting on the x-men at this point with so many voices in the room and i hear from just so many people and you probably get this as well andy because you are you know a semi-avid comic book reader especially with star wars comics. Yeah, i've been reading
1: yeah ever since marvel you know reacquired the rights i've been keeping up with most of the star wars comics yeah, so that's basically my foray of comics.
0: And you I mean that highlights like a reason why you got into it was that there was a jumping in point. Mm-hmm. There was a clear issue 1 um you also like it had, had a lot of established back-
1: characters that I had already known. Yeah. But they also introduced a lot of new characters too.
0: Right. Um and so that's what Disney did when they they launched their, you know, set of these Star Wars comics was they were like we need everybody who can to be able to jump into these comics. And so comics in general deal with that because these characters are, you know, 60, 70, 80 years old. I mean, X-Men are an 80 year long soap opera. And, it's there. Marvel doesn't so do they things didn't like
1: originate from the year two thousand. They're older than that.
0: They are. They are a bit oh my, older. Oh my god. <laughs> um, Jonathan. Brian Nickman, Singer didn't
1: come up with these characters by himself. Who? Brian Singer didn't come up with these. Characters no, he by did himself? not.
0: Oh my god. Um, we'll talk about. We'll. I'll introduce you to Stanley and Jack Kirby later. Who? Um. <laughs> uh, but that's that. Marvel doesn't really do an excellent job at giving jump in points for their comics. They've done some soft versions of that. They don't do it as hard as like DC comics does huge, hard reboot events where they completely rewrite and retcon entire characters in order to hope for people to come in and read Superman comics for the first time or justice league comics for the first time. But Marvel doesn't do it very much. And X-Men certainly doesn't really have any moments like that either that i think are what i would consider flagship moments to yeah anybody can jump in or you should totally jump in here because it's like the best time to do and it's the best comics it's 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 just not been something that's happened but in 2019 when this series was released it was jonathan hickman and his team in the x office it was their attempt at Not retconning and rebooting the X-Men, but kind of fixing them and adding to them in a way that allowed for everybody to kind of jump in at a high point, at a good point. And so I think this is a good experiment that you are someone who (laughs) was introduced by the films and Mm -hmm. hasn't read an X-Men comic ever. Nope.
1: I mean maybe like a one off but nothing comes to mind like Yeah
0: yeah 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 yeah. I'm I'm sure like it's uh, you just probably not, just Not uh, like you, a
1: run of comics like y- a complete
0: Sure. Story. Um and to see like to we'll, we'll walk through the 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 my hope is we'll walk through these 12 issues, six of uh of each uh, title and it'll be interesting to like talk you through like what you read, what you understood and and what I Uh, You know, plan on doing is just maybe kind of filling in some of the cracks. And mostly, I just want to give you context in hopes of like adding value to what you read. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe at the end of this, even convince you to keep reading some X Men comics somewhere or the other. Um, If not, enjoy your star Wars. I love star Wars comics as well. No,
1: I, I enjoyed this. It was, it was a lot to take in, but I really got to like the first two issues. I was like, Oh, I don't know about this. It's kind of like deep and intense. But then as I, I got really engrossed, especially when we don't have to jump into it, but when we got like introduced to Moira and her mutant ability, I'm like, Oh, this is really interesting.
0: Yes. I, I think it's uh, now like really seeing this through fresh eyes of, of yours. Like it makes sense. Why house of X one is the proper introduction and then powers of x is the good like follow through mm-hmm. because house of x does introduce you from the get go to at least some recognizable characters you know you open up with who you I would assume you think might be professor x walking through some he's sort of standing, weird He's standing though. What's up with he's that? He's standing. Yes, he's standing. He's got, he's got, a, got a weird x on
1: his, on his helmet. How does he He's got a funky it?
0: helmet. Um how does he I don't know. I mean, that's a good question Andy. Maybe he doesn't. Oh my God. Um and, but then like, you know, we go into like, you know, some, some bodies and hands and, and silhouettes of characters that even you probably recognize mm-hmm. of like Storm and, and Colossus and Beast and all of them. Yep. And they're going around and they're planting these flowers. So I, I it, it's, it's great that they, they kind of like are kind of like uh feeding, you know, feeding little birds, like some imagery they might recognize. Right. Um, but i'm like uh how about we try this can you give me just a brief summary of what you think happened in house of x one okay
1: yeah so in issue one a bunch of like congressmen visit or meet with uh magneto and not in krakoa but like a portal that leads to krakoa and like their jerusalem habitat if i remember correctly Uh, because humans love their symbolism which i love that line Um, yes you, and, did you
0: understand what he was referencing when he said that? I assume like I'm curious what, you, religion, what was your interpretation. I, I assume
1: of, like like humans find religion comforting, or something. Yeah,
0: the there part of House of X and Powers of Ten. Mm-hmm. Audience who's listening is was the introduction of the of a new mutant island nation called Krakoa, yes. which is actually a living mutant island that um, was not introduced uh, first in this series of 12 issues uh, uh Krako has actually been around since the introduction of uh wolverine colossus storm banshee and all them in giant size x-men back in the, that was like the
1: reboot of the original x-men right
0: it was it wasn't even a reboot well it was to a degree because it wasn't like the, the original X-Men, actually... x-men
1: like wasn't like well received and they like, kind of like reworked it It had been canceled. Yeah.
0: It had been canceled. And they had kind of shopped a lot of the X-Men characters off to other titles. You know, Iceman was trying out the Defenders. Beast was an Avenger, so on and so forth. And so, yeah, uh, Giant Size X-Men was the reintroduction of X-Men. That was then quickly handed over to Chris Claremont. But, yeah, Krakoa is is like an old friend of X-Men fans and so it it is the introduction of a brand new mutant island nation for the x-men and so part of that symbolism of what uh you know i think magneto is referring to when he says that line at the end where he's like you know you humans like your symbolism is the whole this whole issue does take place or a lot of this issue takes place in that jerusalem habitat Mm -hmm. and there's a little bit of like some notes of zionism in this series Uh, x-men while being a general metaphor for minorities um for forever sometimes leaning heavy into others more than than some like for instance during the era when they had a uh, mutant killing disease called the legacy virus it was kind of heavily leaning into the aids AIDS epidemic and so um but the x-men is a minority metaphor and but first and foremost was a metaphor for uh, uh uh jews um and judaism um, it was created by Jewish men and 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 drawn by Jewish men, and it was uh, it's 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 been written there the whole time.
1: Was Magneto always a, no a Jew in the concentration camp, or is that a Bryan Singer edition?
0: No, it's because
1: <laughs> that's what happens in the Bryan Singer movie.
0: <laughs> he bends the gate. I know, I, I'm just not prepared for you to attribute anything of X Men Lord Brian Singer. <laughs> <He's in. laughs> um, no. Uh, it was something that was retconned later, um, but c- quite quickly, um, to kind of like add to his character because he was originally just kind of this uh, caricature of a mutant terrorist. Okay, um, and yeah, they added to you know his background with yeah him being. He's been uh, more
1: as like softened to more like an anti-hero recently.
0: Yeah, throughout his history in the comics, like Evan which flows
1: is what with him with his like villainous like villainousness.
0: Yes. He He's 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 become a good guy. He's become a bad guy. He's actually at certain times run the X Men school while Professor has been away. He has created his own uh, mutant island nations um, twice. Actually, he um, once had a asteroid out uh, that was uh, you know circling around Earth called Asteroid M that he tried to create as a place that you know mutants could get away to. He created the or, or ran the mutant island nation of Genosha. Um, That was just another like island that the humans had originally um, made a like a, a mutant slave camp and then they took it over and became a mutant nation. Um, and so he's kind of gone back and forth, which I think is like good symbolism in this issue of house of X where he's the introduction, like, and he's in this costume that I'm sure you're like, that's not the normal Magneto, yeah, like, like purple like, and red it colors. It was like
1: steel, like, like almost like, like silver surfer, like metallic. Yeah.
0: He's a little, he's a little white and, and, and pure and, and, and kind of like, um, he's in his hero the era. White. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Magneto the white.
1: Yeah. Cause he's like, he's basically like, like almost like the human Krakoan ambassador. Right. Like, yes. Like so humans, yeah. Let, uh, humans aren't allowed on Krakoa, but they can come into this habitat and learn about it. And in exchange, you get these drugs that are good for humans.
0: Yeah. So we're, we're, we're talking through this very important introduction issue. And yeah, you said they were going through this habitat. Magneto is introducing these dignitaries through um, a proposal. And he proposes he, he highlights these plants. Mm-hmm. Do you recall what these plants do?
1: I, I, yeah, I'm cheating a little bit because I actually have some of it written yeah, yeah, down. Yeah, you got notes, notes, you got notes. Uh, yeah, so human drug L, that extends human life. And then human drug I is a super antibiotic for humans. And then human drug M cures diseases. And I believe these drugs come from the plants?
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. yes. There are, there are so basically, plants these, from from the are, island like, of these are like,
1: hey, us mutants want our own sovereign nation. And in exchange for this, we're going to offer you humans these amazing medical advancements right yeah yes yeah um and there's also in uh, so those are the those are the human drugs and also the plants can create gateways like a portal to reticola yeah um and then there's a habitat and a, yep. and then something called the no place which we really don't figure out what it is until like the end right Yes, yeah.
0: the way I like to explain how these flowers um, that uh, Magneto and the mutants in general are proposing as a gift to the humans is that the hu- the way they affect the humans, the, the human drugs let the humans know that the humans are safe, mm-hmm. but the mutants uh, you know drug uh, plants remind them that they're actually not they're not safe um, always from the mutants. That while the mutants mean no harm to them, the mutants can be anywhere, everywhere, and nowhere.
1: Right? Don't they? They even find out the like, humans find out about Krakoa through a telepathic message through Xavier, which is pretty intrusive. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, you know, like you you get into Powers of X of like kind of going through the what's gone through with like Professor X's story with his dream and his Mm -hmm. interaction with the humans. What we're jumping into at this point is a point where the mutants have tried... 20, you know, 30, 40 different ways to integrate with the humans and live, you know, coexist peacefully. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it's like, no, we're done.
1: Because no matter what they do, the mutants are always, like, go extinct.
0: Yeah. And, and, I mean, that's why at the end of this issue, after Xavier has shown these dignitaries, you know, um, their portal set up and how they can go, they have all kinds of habitats all over the place. And he has shown them, you know, you know, at the end, that uh, you know, this wasn't them interviewing him. That uh, Sophie, one of the Stefford Cuckoos, who are characters I'm sure you are completely unaware of, who these characters are. I heard cuckoo, and uh, I'm
1: like, I don't know what the hell that is, but I'm gonna roll with it. I, I mean, I remember it from the from the comic, but I'm like, I, like Stefford Cuckoos.
0: Yeah, Just yeah, yeah, and so like. That, you know, she's there just to tell uh, Magneto everything that they were thinking this whole time so that he can get the, an understanding of where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that at the end of it all, he, you know, he lets them know that, like, while they slept, a new dawn of mutantdom has begun and the humans have new gods. And that this isn't, like, this isn't them asking, you know, please accept us. This isn't him, like, you know, showing them this is how great we're going to be. This is him saying, like... Um, we're done. We are creating our own place. We are not taking away from anything that is yours. We are not removing anything that is yours. We are, you know, creating our own nation and you have no say in it. So you might as well get on board. Right. So we can kind of like, I think move on from there. Although I don't know if there's any other notes that you had about like what happened during like when the attack like that, the forge. Yeah. Like you, you saw like uh, you were introduced to, to this base Called Orcus, yes, um, which which is a giant sentinel head.
1: Yes, like by the sun um, or around the sun.
0: Yeah, and so Orcus was is is the antagonist that Jonathan Hickman is introducing in these comics, where it is the human response to the mutants reaching a level of superiority mm-hmm. that is alarming enough for them. They I can't ref- remember what exactly they refer it to, but it's like it's the point where. Mutants are getting to that uh, that level where they can they they can and will replace yeah. humans. I, I have it written down
1: that they call themselves like the last hope for humanity.
0: Yeah, and so they have this whole base um, that is you know positioned close to the sun, where they have they are bringing a a mother mold online, um, which is an advanced level of sentinels. Sentinels have always been you know. A villain of the x-men these robots that are meant to hunt and destroy them and the mother mold is like the most advanced version where when she comes online she will you know create ai you know artificially intelligenced uh sentinels that are will be the response to mutants and will take them back down to a you know manageable size and the, and they're they're kind of an offshoot of like aim which is like the scientific branch of like hydra yeah Um, wasn't
1: like a collaboration between aim shield and hydra
0: yeah because shield at this point in marvel comics is in shambles and so they've got remnants of that and they're they're also like remnants of a few other organizations um like uh strike and sword and hammer Mm -hmm. and all that um and they're teaming up with omega sentinel Who's there to uh, monitor what's going on? Omega Sentinel is actually a character from the X-Men comics who was a, an enemy at times, a friend at times but now is clearly an antagonist of the X-Men and she uh, she's she's there to kind of facilitate and monitor what they're doing to bring o- uh, online this this mother mold. And then at the same time in the comics, we're kind of seeing a little bit of this story about Sabretooth and Mystique who are stealing up some data from, a damage control facility. Sabretooth does a
1: whoopsie and accidentally like kills some like, humans and <laughs> the, fa- the Fantastic Four are like, nah.
0: Is it a whoopsie if he means to do it the entire time? Hmm. I'm going to call it a whoopsie. I like Sabretooth. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was a good interaction too with um, Sabretooth being, you know, essentially arrested by the Fantastic Four and Cyclops. I thought, th- I know, thought,
1: him- I thought Cyclops and the Fantastic Four were going to duke it out and Cyclops was like, nah, it's not worth it. You take him for now. We'll figure it yeah
0: out it, it, the the theme of all these you know issues of house of x and powers of, of 10 is things are different now and and that is constantly shown throughout the whole series and this was i think a good moment of that whereas yeah in the past it would have been like oh a big superhero rumble and the, the mutants are fighting the fantastic four and oops super Sabertooth got away during it mm-hmm. whereas they're establishing legitimacy it's in almost this more world. like and, I
1: mean it, it's it's a fantastical series of events, but it's almost like a grounded human like it's like very human like emotional driven decisions and like very yeah, logistical they, and like let's not have a big fight just for the fact of having a big fight. Let's think about like how we're gonna play this out
0: and and it's it's all part of a huge plan that the mutants have throughout these issues of playing the the human game. You know, they, they are introducing these plants to uh, get declared, you know, recognized by the United Nations. Like, every every nation that signs up to recognize them as a, as a legitimate nation gets to ha- have access to these life-saving drugs. Um, and they are no longer just, like, playing outside the box. They're like, we'll play inside your box, but we're going to do it with our abilities and you know uh, do it our way
1: i like that wakanda was like we don't need your drugs we don't like this yeah wakanda was like nope we don't like it but
0: yeah because it's not a universal acceptance where every nation right but
1: the it was like a majority it was like it was like wakanda yeah. russia and like a few other countries if i remember correctly
0: yeah wakanda for like their own right reasons and russia for like nasty mean reasons and russia like remains to be kind of a little bit of a enemy nation to the x-men throughout the rest of the x-men run
1: yeah it hits close to home
0: it does and i I mean i you know if you want to pick a modern villain pick russia in your comics the last thing that i think that i want to cover really quick that they covered in this issue was the not introduction but the uh, the written establishment of what an omega level mutant is which i think is a term you might not have ever heard of before i haven't
1: not before this
0: right and so i love that Hickman decided to finally go like pen to ink and define this because Omega level has been a term that's been used for forever with X-Men and the mutants, but it's been this kind of like amorphous term to describe a really, really powerful mutant. And some are Omega, some aren't, we don't know which ones are, we don't know which ones really aren't, but Hickman introduces that they are basically in a mutant with undefinable upper limits to their powers in their specific like you know class of of mutant abilities um and they are designated as like the most important resource of the mutant nation and i as as someone who loves superhero comics and loves like you know the the how writers play around with and utilize you know the power sets of these characters that we like i love the idea of getting to explore these mutants that have no you know limits to what they can do Mm -hmm. one of the earliest ones that was like described was like gene gray i was gonna
1: say gene seems like an omega level mutant yeah
0: but then like later on the comics they they she blew charles
1: up into Adams in x-men 3
0: (laughs) she did she did um but like Iceman was described as one later on the comics but you know it took them a while to like explore that space and really define what that meant for him but the the fact that they're making this mutant island nation and you know their their most valuable resource are these like these gods these gods among them who aren't just powerful but literally like you know with the right working and the right time or exploration of their abilities could do anything in their category mm-hmm. you know there's there's names in here that they that that will become important later i won't go through all of them of like you know, I said Iceman and and Jean Grey, but then there's like Legion and Proteus and Mister M and Exodus, and these are all like characters I know, um, but not all of them were defined as Omega level. And it's it's just I think it's great when a writer has finally wait Bobby's
1: Omega level mutant. Yeah, his Whoa.
0: yeah his like he, Iceman, you know, was originally introduced as like some something of a the class clown joke, but. As they developed his powers in the comics, they you know basically show that there was he he isn't just like I make ice. He is a heat manipulator. He manipulates heat mm-hmm. in in a negative sense. Right. And with that power, he's been able to do amazing things like after being blown up, reformed his body with the moisture in the air. Ooh. He has been able to show his ability to just almost like he teleported across a lake once by you know deforming and reforming himself mm-hmm. across it that's cool he has added and taken away from his body at sometimes you know uh, donning a Hulk like uh, persona of this just this giant like ice, ice spiky yeah. yeah you know he's he's done all this kind of stuff and so yeah,
1: Brian Singer was sitting on a gold mine they didn't do anything with him he turned a little yeah a fountain into an ice lake for him to <laughs> skate on with Rogue and X2 <laughs> That's
0: yes he yes he did um so yeah it's 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 something that like if you read these comics house of x powers 10 and then continue on you there they are a a thing that the 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 authors of a lot of titles explore as you know of importance um and they do something really cool with mars later that i won't spoil but you all should uh continue to read and uh and find out what they do to mars mm-hmm. um which is why at the top of house of x of all the places that you see them planting flowers it's on mars you know There's one on Mars um, in a jungle on Mars, which is like uh, it's a little bit of a, 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 you know, a teaser. And what's like
1: the blue area of the moon? Was that one? Was that also a location?
0: Yeah. Blue area of the moon is a part of the moon in Marvel Universe that, you know what? I don't actually know why, but it is an oxygenated part of the Uh, moon. It uh. was at one point where the Inhumans lived. Okay. uh, But now it is, in fact, one of the bases of the X-Men and basically becomes the home base for scott's family and gene on they live on the moon
1: okay because there's not a lot of things to laser beam your eyes accidentally on the moon
0: <laughs> if that's what if that's what you think what cyclops's concerns are then yes i would agree yeah
1: well that's what again brian singer movie
0: <laughs> yeah right 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 um let's go to let's let's push forward to a little bit of a like powers of 10 and talk about moira who yeah i'm sure you were like who is moira yes right she she was in some of the movies, if we're gonna connect us to the movies. Which one? Right? She was in uh uh first class. She but they retconned her oh. in first class as a CIA agent, I believe. Okay. Um she was played by
1: Is it the is it the girl who also shows up in Apocalypse? That CIA agent? Yes. That's Moira from like I know who yeah.
0: Yeah, it's played by Rose Byrne. Yeah.
1: Oh, Rose Byrne plays Moira. Okay. But she doesn't have but do we know what life she's living in those movies?
0: Again, the movies play. Hey, we'll give it to this. Yeah, they they kind of go a little willy nilly with the lore of the X Men to use them as they want. I mean, case in point, they made Wolverine a six foot three hunk, whereas he's supposed to be this like five foot three little gremlin, hairy gremlin. He
1: was scrawny in the first like two or three. He
0: he was. He was, and then Hugh Jackman um definitely legitimately got jacked without the use of any extra substances. But no, Moira has been in the X Men comics for forever. Okay, she was oh she was the pinnacle of the human ally for mutants. Yes, she's a, g- a geneticist who is an off and on, uh, you know, in a relationship with Professor X. She's Scottish. She's not American. And she was, she helped, you know, Professor X in a lot of areas with his school. She had her own students at certain times. Um, She also was a person who worked heavily on solving the legacy virus Mm -hmm. and was, at the time, the only human who ever contracted the legacy virus and died from it. Whoa which kind of made no sense at the time because the whole point of the legacy it, virus was that it, it was a
1: mutant gene, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, but now with Jonathan's like kind we of... We know
1: that she was a mutant. Yes, that they've her.
0: decided... Yeah. So Moira is now a mutant who is undetectable by all other mutants. Yes. And every time Moira dies, she is now reincarnated in uterine um, uterine. uterine, uterine, whatever. Uh as uh utero? U- utero, damn, it's I'm, utero. I didn't want to in s- utero. i was like maybe that's f- an X-Men
1: definition, but it's utero.
0: I found my way there. I found my way there. With all of the knowledge of her previous life mm-hmm. and she reboots the timeline. Yes. Not just like reincarnates her life, she resets the timeline, right. which I think is so awesome. Such a cool idea.
1: Yeah. Um so when in the beginning of issue two or three, I forget um, she meets with Professor X sitting on a bench and that's to, and we find out later that that's her 10th life and like she he has his like f- mind blown can we swear he has his mind blown Um
0: <laughs> I, I, let's try to keep it uh, yeah. uh he family his, friendly He has his mind blown. Um
1: and it turns out that yeah Myra has the mutant power of reincarnation and I just love how like over the course of like her life she just becomes like more and more of like an extremist. Yes. Where it's like it's like like, she, like Moira it's like Also, the second Moira went out like a chump, like in a plane crash. Oof! (laughs) Going to meet, and then and then Moira three, she was like, I want to just make a cure, and then and then like fast forward to like Moira like six or seven, and she's like, I'm gonna kill all the Trask, so we don't have Sentinels, and then she aligns with Magneto, and then she aligns with. Apocalypse and the next life, and yep. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's just going farther and farther down into darkness.
0: Yeah. So but that and that's what Powers of Ten is a vehicle of is it's telling the story of Moira's lives yes. and Moira's plan to finally solve the the mutant problem. You know, however you want to define that word problem in that sentence. And yeah, it can be kind of confusing. I think to jump in there and see those like those captions of like, you know, we are in X zero. You know, which is mm-hmm. The past to us, but just part of Moira's story. And then X one is the present now of like reading House of X and everything that's going on with the new Krakoan nation. And then X one hundred is some sort of future timeline um that we later find out is in fact the uh ninth life uh no 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 the uh uh sixth uh it, sixth yeah. life of Moira. So, did I just correct she, you? Yes, you did. Wow. It's 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 a lot to keep track of, and I appreciate that. That's why it's good to have like, you here. Because, like, Year it.
1: 100 is, like, a days of future past, like, if I'm going to go back to the movies. Yes. But it's basically, yes. like, Sentinels have, like, you know, inhuman. The machines have won. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, Nimrod has, w- was, uh, Nimrod, uh, Nimrod, you the know, yeah. became a thing. Um, and Nimrod being a hyper, uh, you know, intelligent, artificial intelligence.
1: This is like a similar to Ultron. I got like Ultron vibes from Nimrod.
0: He does have Ultron vibes. He is the, the evolution of Sentinels is what Nimrod always has been. Okay. In fact, we saw Nimrod Sentinels. Again, I'm just going to put this to the movies in days of future past, mm-hmm. those Sentinels at the beginning of the movie that fight, you know, like Bishop and Iceman and them, those are Nimrod Sentinels that therefore they adapt, they uh, are able to, you know, counteract. Yeah, because like, they, you know, like,
1: whoop them. Like, they are yes. very outmatched by those Sentinels. And
0: so, yeah, year 100 is, is we don't find out immediately, but you later find out it's the sixth life of Moira with her attempt of, like, you know, creating a, you know, 100-year war with Apocalypse, mm-hmm. um, who is such an interesting character in this series. And then there is X-1000, which is this super far-off timeline where the the humans yeah they've they've basically solved the mutant problem but now they're trying to solve the human problem and are trying to ascend basically to become part of these like hyper advanced you know uh technologically based alien races excuse me alien races that are like you know these these hive minds and the humans are trying to audition to basically Part, you know be a part Aren't of that and to post-humans? go humans they're called post humans um and they're trying to ascend into their next level of evolution mm-hmm. which is ironic considering they're the ones who stopped the evolution y- right. the next evolution which of was, homo sapiens which
1: was yeah mutants
0: yeah yeah homo superior um homo novus i think was the is why they're like the proto-humans is what they're called okay in Latin. so
1: homo sapiens homo superior and homo novus
0: I think that's what it okay. is, um, and yeah, and we find out later that X one thousand is in fact Moira's ninth life. Um, but uh, the the most in, the reason why her ninth life is so interesting is that we learned something really important. I think in which issue does she meet Destiny? I don't
1: have I don't have notes about Destiny. I'm sorry.
0: In one of the issues of this series, they uh they you know Moira is found by mystique and destiny who are my favorite queer characters in the x-men comics right now mm-hmm. um you know they're the lesbian mothers we all deserve so mystique you're aware of yes destiny you're not i am not I assume, aware of destiny Andy. nope so destiny's also been around for forever but destiny's actually been in the comics dead for the past like 20 years oh, okay. but she was introduced like during the era of like brotherhood of evil mutants when it was like you know mystique and juggernaut and pyro and avalanche and all them were working together or sometimes with magneto as like mutant terrorists and it was these were comics during the time where there was a specific precedence that they couldn't be explicit about you know the queerness of characters and so it was all subtext sure. and so it's very much like oh yeah mystique and destiny are roommates and really good friends and they have pillow fights and they have pillow fights together you know and sometimes they sleep in the same bed together to conserve warmth
1: they sleep head to toe though so it's fine
0: yeah 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 <laughs> but destiny while well, mystique you know is the shapeshifter we all know and love yep. um destiny is the ultimate mutant precog. She sees and attempts to decipher all futures. Um and, you know, the the closer it, you know, it gets to, you know, something happening, the clearer it becomes to her. But she Moira, because of her mutant power, is a a black hole to her. She's she can't see her. Okay. And so once she's able to realize that there is that missing spot, then she's able to find her and Mystique are able to find Moira. By the way, Destiny is blind as well mm-hmm. um which is why she sees only through her future abilities so if she can't see moira then in her in like with her futures that's why she couldn't literally detect her right so if you uh, and so they she reveals to moira that she doesn't have infinite lives whilst her immutability is to reincarnate over and over again that moira sees that she has 10 lives 11 if she makes good choices right. And so that kind of puts like a ticking clock on Moira finally, you know, solving her problem, which is that as being a part of the mutant nation, you know, the mutant population, she, you know, the the they always fail. That's the through line of the mutants. Yeah, no matter they what they do, fail. it's
1: like the uh, it's the, yeah, they never get through it.
0: Yeah, and you were talking through that. Like, she tries one of her lives to, you know, she devotes herself to genetics and and biology and creates a uh, a cure for the mutants. Yes. Um, But then I think that's actually the timeline that Mystique. uh, Yeah,
1: I think, yeah, because she met, like, Charles and she felt that he was too arrogant. Yes. And then she's like, all right, well, I'm just going to do my own thing and cure this thing.
0: So yeah, Mystique and Destiny find her and kill her in that life. Oh, like, one yeah, of you know, those they like,
1: slowly burn her to death. I'm like, I want you to remember yeah. this. I'm like, oh my God.
0: And so then she tries different times in her lives, different ones of her lives to try different routes. She, you know, recognizes, she tries to team up with the f- Professor X, but the Sentinels win. So then she devotes an entire life to killing the family, the entire, you know, Trask. family tree and line of Trasks, the creator of the Sentinels. But she finds out that like, sentinels and artificial intelligence are an inevitability right. there They there is need the there is nothing eventually arise no matter what yeah they're they're just a thing that happens no matter what and you you can't just put it off for forever and she teams up yeah with magneto um that ends up badly she teams up with uh you know apocalypse, apocalypse. and that's why life nine is so important is that at the end of Uh, her ninth life, which is in Powers of X, X Mm X-1000. So if you're reading X-1000, you later find out, it's like, oh, that was her ninth life. They finally, you know, the the whole point of that, like, future heist that's happening with all of these uh, future mutants that are trying to steal this piece of information um, is to finally find the moment in history when Nimrod becomes active because Nimrod is a no turning back point in their opinion. Mm -hmm. And so... They find out that information, and that's when in their ninth life, that Wolverine, who's been keeping Moira alive for a thousand years because like of their— blood
1: transfusion or something with his yeah,
0: Their match of their blood. He finally kills her, sends her back, and that's where we are now in House of X with this new Krakoa island. Yes. I'm sure that was like a lot to take in. What was like your— How did you parse all that?
1: bewildered. Uh, yeah. I had to reread some of it um I yeah was all, i literally had to like i had to like step away and like this is a lot and then i went back yeah. into it and then i'm like okay i got back into it but it literally like it it throws so much at you and the different like the way it's structured very well once you read the whole thing as, as one like coherent piece but yeah the time jumps and it made it really i wouldn't say difficult but harder for some i think to get into like the story and the structure of the story but i felt like once you stick with it and you get to the like aha moment like everything starts to fall into place and then it's like okay i, yeah. I understand what's happening but it's definitely it was a, it was like i said like i am used to reading star wars comics where it's like oh no the rebels need to escape before darth vader gets here that's, right that's as simple that's as complex as it usually gets This is like a whole other animal.
0: Yeah, it's. I I think what is an uncommon feeling for comic book readers, especially novice comic book readers, or people who are novice to the title they're reading, is that you often feel like if you're reading a comic and you don't understand what's going on, then you feel like you're actually supposed to understand what's going on right now. And so you're missing something. Yes. And while that is the case. For a lot of it. And that is the case in some instances the way that hickman is writing this is more like a movie where you're not supposed to know the answer yet you are supposed to be a little confused like when reading powers of x1 and they're introducing like these black brained telepaths (laughs) i john reisinger who has been reading comics for 30 years i don't know what those are those are that's something new these this this chimera character that looks like she's taking pieces of like Colossus and magic and and a bunch of other. She's got a giant you know flaming sword. She's new to me as well, you know. And so there is a level of appropriate confusion and just kind of like faint recognizability, you know. throughouts it. it's like even at the end of Powers of 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 X One, where it's like, all right, there's a there's a Magneto in a green uniform. Yep, I think that's Wolverine. There's a dude with a flaming head, and then there's Groot. I see, I see um, things that I recognize, <laughs> but other things
1: that are like bewildering to me. It's it's like it's like things that I recognize, but like all slightly altered adjacent forms of those things that I recognize.
0: I li- I do appreciate uh, what I appreciate about this series in general is how, in the end, it's it's brought together, and you know you you get these those reveals yes. of like you know originally, they don't tell you what Moira Six Life is. And they explain to you Moira's ninth life, but you don't realize till later on you've been reading Moira's ninth life the whole yep. time in Powers of X, um, and it's it's. I I think that that can be I think that's something I want to tell people who, who, right now who maybe haven't read House of X's Powers Ten is that if you're confused through it, like you kind of have to muscle through it. A little bit of rereading isn't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fact that Hickman likes to put in these info dump pages um that are just, you know, actual just text pages in the middle of the comic to explain things like omega level mutants and what a, uh, you know, what this the the sinister line is of these chimera mutants that are being blended together um for, you know, human purposes. Right. Well,
1: the first one, like the first instance of that little interjection is like the human drugs, like it breaks that down. I'm like, "Oh, this is interesting." And like he uses yeah. that mechanic throughout the whole run of like like it's not part of the story but it's like it's key information for the reader to like know the context of like what's at stake and what's happening
0: right I mean and yeah and and that's the highlight of the other thing that Hickman sought to do the whole time with this and continued with the rest of the authors that you know wrote the other titles that followed this this uh, soft reboot was that he wanted to add and not subtract right. um, whereas like on retcons are often just completely rewriting you highlighted one they retconned magneto's background as being a you know a survivor of holocaust mm-hmm. internment camps this was addition you know while moira wasn't ever called out as being a mutant in x-men comic history he wrote her in as a mutant in a way that's like oh that actually that actually kind of fits it fits, makes, yeah. it fits mm-hmm. It's it's not going to be a hundred percent puzzle fit if you went back and reread every line of dialogue ever that had Moira with it, but it actually, I mean, they did their homework. They they fit her in, and it makes sense. Um, you know, as they reveal like the moments where her and Professor X recruit Magneto, um, and the moment where they recruit Sinister to, you know, start cataloging her every DNA. mutant. Yeah, but then erase the reason why he's doing that so that now, when you you still, if you now you wanted to go back and read all the comics where Sinister was, who has been a horrific villain for forever. Um, I also didn't know it Sinister makes sen- had,
1: like, clones. I didn't know that. Yes. Because Sinister clone was like, ah, no. And then the other Sinister was like, blammo, killed him. was like, uh, yeah, I'll do this for you.
0: Well, and that's another instance of, I think, a genius redo. To so be like,
1: they're like like you said, like, his relationship with the X-Men is like, he's good with them. He's bad. You know, he's like, he's he's, yeah. he's an ally. He's antagonistic. But this is like, oh, there's clones of them now.
0: Well, Sinister is very interesting in, in, in a specific instance with this House of X powers of 10, you know, uh, reboot is that he you know all these characters are dependent upon whoever's writing them and these writers can you know add to them in a resourceful and productive way and sometimes writers you know i think drop the ball and add things We're like you sure you want to you sure you want to add that to their history you sure you want to make sinister someone who participated with the nazis and you know was uh you know a bit of a Of a supremacist that you know helped the genocide like sure you want to add that to sinister and make him a racist um whereas in this version you know with that scene alone where we see you know moira and professor x you know talking to a a sinister that in that same scene one of the clones you know kills him and he's a much more like theatrical you know interesting and, and charming Version of Sinister. He's the mutant version of Sinister, right. um, and that's Hickman's way of like, which is actually going to be a, a a theme that they continue with this whole Krakoa era, is the rehabilitation of the X Men villains, because the X Men villains have been always been a super high point of the X Men franchise. People love X Men villains. Okay. Like you, you've even seen it in the movies, mm-hmm. Magneto. Mm-hmm. Is adored. He's
1: great. He's super complex. Yeah, he's complex and has great characterization, and he's you know, very clear understanding motives. He's sympathetic at times too. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: and while the movies flubbed a lot of really cool villains, Apocalypse being a great example. No, Oscar um, Isaac. That was, that was a great movie. <laughs> Poor man. Poor man. The four Horsemen. Oh,
1: they were. I I I think that. I haven't read a lot of comics with the four horsemen, but I I believe that you feel like that they were very accurately represented in that movie.
0: (laughs) Such a bad movie. Um, I'm sorry, anybody listening. If you really liked X Men Apocalypse, it I'm not. It's a bad movie. Okay, Um, it was definitely from a reader's standpoint a complete misuse of such an interesting and complex character like Apocalypse. who they introduce in these you know in house of x like that part of this new nation is that all means are welcome and everyone gets a clean slate mm-hmm. um and but your clean slate starts now and it's up to you to decide what to do with it and so you've got certain villains like sinister and mystique and apocalypse who are even not only like they buy into this for the time but they're put on the the government the quiet council yep. of the x-men and they represent they are they are part of they are they are part of a branch of the quiet council that represents the interests of previously antagonistic mutants
1: and i love like not to jump ahead but i love like within like their internal like government and trial that like Sabretooth is like the first one to be like ostracized and like exiled within the island but he's like you're the real you're like the first like guy we're gonna like punish
0: yeah you know like part of creating a nation isn't you know all you know flowers and butterflies of like oh we're all you know having bonfires and and potlucks and everything like that like it's messy Mm -hmm. making a nation it's messy running a nation it's not and and the you know being run by you know people like professor x and Magneto, who are they themselves very complex and flawed characters, you know. Creating a, judi- a justice system in a in you know in a, on a mutant island nation is complex and difficult, especially with the most extreme, unrelenting kind of a villain like Sabretooth, mm-hmm. who is a you know has countless murders, has you know raped and maimed and and destroyed you know for. Forever, he's he's he himself is one of the guys who's been like you know living for hundreds of years at this right. point, um, and and it becomes even more complex when we have even talk about the big, uh, reveal of this. One of the hugest reveals of this series was, the resurrection protocols with mutants. Oh yeah, like the um, egg. What was your reaction to that? That introduction.
1: Well, when I saw all the X Men get blown up, I'm like, oh, they're not dead. I mean, because it's like it's a comic, but when they all came back, right.
0: Right, that was that was but your they, default reaction. Right,
1: but I felt like they did it in a smart way, where they had, you know, some guy who could make like these eggs, and then you have another mutant that could like at put like you could, but like they use like Cerebro to like put like their memories intact, so they could. Yeah, yeah so I thought that was kind of cool, and then out comes a bunch of sexy naked mutants.
0: <laughs> they are very sexy. Yeah, yeah I th- I love this a lot of people have a problem with this um but i think this is a perfect response to what you just highlighted there where you andy not even an avid x-men reader saw wolverine and cyclops and gene gray and nightcrawler these pinnacles of the x-men die you know, in uh, like one line. issue
1: or two issues
0: and your response was well they're not dead yeah, well, yeah. like i I know I just saw Wolverine and Nightcrawler literally burn Into up the sun. in the sun. <laughs> yeah. They're not dead because that's because that's that's not how these these titles work and so Hickman was like, "Well, let's just stop making that be the the stakes of these comics." You know, it's 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 no longer interesting if that the only stake is it like, "Oh, is Colossus going to die?" Yeah, he might die, but he'll come back in about 5 right. years. Um and so instead to write in um, this these resurrection protocols, where due to the superiority of mutant powers and the introduction of this really cool concept called mutant circuits, which is the the harmonic uh, collaboration between certain mutant abilities to achieve a unique outcome, and put that all together with these like uh, these kind of revered group called the five. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they've got you know they're mostly characters that I don't think anybody prior to you know these comics would recognize. Um, like you saw, Golden Balls. He was a character that I, yeah, Brian Michael Bendis introduced.
1: And I think there's a character yeah. named Egg. Or?
0: Uh, that, I mean that. Oh, well, he, that's Golden Balls, oh. but yeah, he's Egg. Okay. Um, because he when he was originally introduced in, uh, I think it was uh, All New X Men. He just was this commun- who could randomly generate this infinite amount of just hard gold balls, and no one knew what to do with him. He was almost a comedic character, sure. and I love that Hickman's like, "No, no, come here, sweetie. I'll give you purpose. You literally are creating eggs that can resurrect all." Yeah, well, like he, mutants. like
1: his abilities is like he can make like they're like eggs, but they're like unviable eggs, and then you need like another yeah. mutant to, or or then you need like Cerebro or whatever, and then like Professor X, like he he uses the dna mutant the, the the dna stuff that they stored with mr sinister right and they use that yeah you know, so it's like they, it all fell into place
0: yeah the sinister dna was very important because it, it would it was their catalog of being able to create an accurate you know blank new body of any mutant that they have you know history of and then uh you know with the the addition of people like you know egg being able to make the eggs and then proteus being able to manipulate reality to uh give you know certain customizations and and specificity that was needed for them to be themselves and it all leading you know to professor x having that giant helmet on his head that is cerebro that has the backups you know kind of like your save files of review video games yep. of all the mutants and then being able to put them in there and so now we don't need to worry about like oh an, an X-Men died like are they going to come back? It's Like no they're going to come back so there are different stakes now. And so that all leads to why you know the judici- the, the justice system of the Island ni- uh, nation is problematic because if these mutants can live and will live forever, how do you imprison someone? How do you how do you deal with someone like Sabretooth who is who is you know can we can't reconcile His issues, and you have to do kind of the unthinkable: imprison him, you know, seemingly for forever, in the depths of Krakoa. But that all that all leads to something that was really interesting was the reintegration of the X Men villains as no longer just antagonists of the mutant nation, and you know, people like Apocalypse now being a part of the group uh, is is I think a feat to behold, you know, by. Jonathan Hickman's writing hand of being able to bring these characters. I mean, his literal uh, name is
1: apocalypse.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's, he's down, he's down for this. Like, you know, Krakoa symbolizes, you know, the actual desired end result for a lot of these, the, a lot of these villains, they honestly, you know, while they, they went through different means of doing it, a lot of it was just in the name of acceptance, a home and, You know, if you live on this island where money is no longer an issue and, you know, having a place to live and be able to survive is no longer an issue, then it takes away the bite of a lot of these, you know, villains. So that all kind of leads into the like the kind of ending of this series with House of X six Mm -hmm. where. We are, rec- we are we are introduced to the no space with uh you know i mean first we're introduced to the quiet council and we kind of went over that that they're kind of, they're creating this government where the mutants will govern themselves with these 12 individuals it's not just professor x and magneto it's like a council yeah. and yeah and they introduce you know another part of creating the nation which is creating their laws which i thought was kind of a, a clever scene to unfold the these kind of protocols of what is supposed to run this nation, you know, the first of of course being that it, you know one of the highest uh, you know no nos would be to kill those who they can't resurrect. So there's no killing, no humans. killing humans, right? Because and, and which that that protects the mutant nation as well, because the whole point of this is to they are they are they are to make their own nation, not take away anything from humans. They are literally not giving humans any reason anymore to fear them. And so with that is like, we're not even going to kill humans. You can't do that. They also like are called to protect Krakoa. It is the most sacred place. It is their home now. It is the provider of all that they need. And so, you know, no mutant shall, you know, destroy or go against Krakoa, who is a mutant themselves and living and, you know, has, you know, a a translator there with them at the council. Is that Cypher or is that... That's yeah. Cypher. Doug Ramsey, who actually was one of the earliest characters from X-Men comics to die in the comics. Oh. Not one of the first, not the first, but he's one of the earliest like ones. Like, he stayed um, dead for a bit? He stayed dead for a very long time. He's, he's been yeah, dead for because doesn't he very create, like,
1: an internal language for all Krakoa nations? Yeah. For for, 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 the island of Krakoa that, like, humans can't understand?
0: Yeah, Doug's power is to understand all languages, mm-hmm. um which was limited when they first introduced him, but they explored some other ways of how that can translate. And I love that it's led to him being pivotal in the creation of the Krakoa nation in that professor X could kind of get like rudimentary communication with Krakoa. You know, it's like, you know, a Spanish one oh one kind of level of, of talking with yep. someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but he needed Doug to literally translate Krakoa perfectly. And then in turn, create, you know uh, the mutants own language that could then continue to separate them from the mutant race. Um, So yeah, Doug is Doug is a fun character. I like him a lot. Um, And then
1: he's like the Rosetta stone mutant.
0: He is. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. I especially love in that scene in house of X where they're talking through the rules that mystique turns to nightcrawler who is her son Mm -hmm. in the comics and her religious son and, uh kind of poses a a little bit of a theological puzzle to him and but nightcrawler's response and creation of the next you know law of the x-men nation or the mutant nation is that they need to make babies
1: yeah it's like mutants must create more mutants
0: yeah that if if we are now safe quote-unquote safe and have our own nation we are now in a position where gotta get in and there they have the first three laws of of krakoa and i that is i I thought that was a good you know button end to the house of x of like this introduction of krakoa being the new standard of mutantdom and the x-men comics and where all x-men comics are going to originate from now at this point is this understanding that all the mutants are now safe technically safe on their own island Governed by themselves, recognized by the you know the joint human nations you know uh, you know under the title of United Nations, and now have you know commerce relationships with humans, um, and and now we're here and and you know no longer is it the fear of death is it the fear of you know not having resources that you know mutants can now flourish in a way they've never done before
1: right. Uh so this series ran in what twenty nineteen you said? So have Yes. Like newer or like uh comic X Men comics since have they followed this timeline or this this canon quote unquote?
0: Yeah, this of- this was a, a series that ended in October of twenty nineteen mm-hmm. and it uh led to the era called Dawn of X. Okay. Um, which was the title that encompassed all the subsequent titles that were released after it, including X-Men Marauders, Hellions, new mutants and so forth. Um, and yes, uh, it was Hickman was just the beginning of it all. And he, he continued to write for a couple of titles for a while, including X-Men, like the, just the, the, the penultimate, mm-hmm. you know, X-Men title and, Uh, New Mutants he co-wrote on New Mutants but then there were other authors that were writing for you know all those other titles that I listed and they all took place in you know this new era of Krakoa Um, you know the Marauders was the introduction of you know while Professor X and Magneto had created a legitimate relationship between them and the agreed upon then the nations that recognize them in the united nations with the the medicine all that that they had control over that but they also wanted to have control over the black market spread of their pharmaceuticals because mm-hmm. they knew that's gonna that's that's an inevitability if these if they've created pharmaceuticals that can literally cure all mental illnesses add five years to human lives and serve as a super antibiotic they're like oh there's gonna be a black market and so the marauders was them controlling that and that's starred characters like kitty pride and sebastian shaw and all them with the hellfire club kevin bacon uh you know controlling that and you know hellions was a great uh story that used a bunch of b c and d class mutants and mostly villains led gave by them like sinister
1: a role and good purpose, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Gave them purpose, gave them, um, rehabilitation. Right. They're not going to um, throw
1: them, you know, in a big fight against, you know, they gave them like a practical use and purpose. Like, something yeah. they can excel at that's smart.
0: And, and it's, it's still ongoing. It's, it's been, I mean, we're in September of 2022. So we're at, you know, almost at the three year mark of this, um, I mean we're past the three year mark but we're almost at the three year mark of like the beginning of Dawn of X and it's been glorious since then as someone who's read X-Men for forever we've definitely had um, some bad times which is another area of, of like I've heard that this was like
1: yeah House of X and Powers of X was very like critically and like acclaimed by like both critics and by like readers like avid comic book fans
0: and it was coming off of a very very bad time for X Men comics. A lot of people don't either weren't aware of this or maybe don't remember it. But there was an era where Disney didn't own X Men comics. Fox still owned them, and or X Men like the the film rights. Yes, the film rights. Sorry. Um, and so they didn't own the film rights, and so you know that's why we still don't have the X Men or mutants in general fully integrated into the MCU or anything like that. Yeah, but we got Dark and,
1: Phoenix. So I mean that's a win
0: and that was also fox still that was fox still i still have um, never
1: seen that that's the only x-men i have never seen
0: you could skip it yeah
1: I, know. <laughs> I, I, I watched part of it on a plane like on somebody else's screen and i'm like i'm good
0: it's not good um it has a couple of good moments they remade
1: a- x-men 3 but they made it worse
0: yeah just <laughs> different worse though um there's a pretty good Magneto scene, I'll say that, or a this, couple.
1: If this is an X-Men podcast, I'm about to say something super sacrilegious. I remember liking X-Men 3. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't deserve to be on this call, but I remember. Uh,
0: no, I think I re- all opinions, you know, it's y- y- what you enjoy is what you enjoy. I like Porcupine you know?
1: Face Guy. He was cool.
0: That's a Quill. Quill was his yeah, character name in the... Uh, yeah. Um, but it was what basically this comic is is coming off of is it's not only like fixing long running problems with x-men comics you know for their like you know 70 80 year run but it was fixing something that you know a lot of people have speculated no one has flat out said that this is what was going on but there was a time where disney seemed to be trying to lessen the value of x-men comics um because they were not Valuable to them because they could not be used in MCU, and they were trying to make other titles like Inhumans a thing. Like, you remember there was an Inhumans film that was announced, but that film turned into a, series a TV series yep. that was put on Hulu, but like immediately canceled, rightfully so. It was terrible. Because it wasn't
1: part of the MCU, or was it? Is it technically uh, it, phase it, it, four or phase
0: three? The the inhumans were supposed to be. They were they were planned to be, but they were immediately because they were also uh, in, integrated into the TV series Shield, uh, Agents of Shield. Oh right. Um, and uh, and so in the comics, they they were uh, they were writing the X Men to death. They were. They pit them against the Inhumans and had this whole MPOX thing, where there was like the thing that gave the Inhumans their powers was the thing that that was going around and uh, like a cloud of poison and killing all the mutants. And X Men comics were just bad. They were bad. And you know, I kept reading them, and I really, I've always read them through the good and the bad because I just, I'm, you know, kind of like how you are with Star Wars. You still want to like be up on the lore. Right. You want to mm-hmm. still know you know the the context of everything and the lore of everything and Even as a if it's star stuff wars
1: fan i have to say i don't really know what you're talking about ups and downs it's all <laughs> ups for star wars so.
0: <laughs> it's all it's, all, it's all uphill nothing but no but yeah winners. there's
1: definitely ebbs and flows with multiple fandoms but it's just I, so so i from what i get what you're saying is now that disney has acquired the rights to x-men you feel like that they're going to be taking uh, it more seriously like the, with the writing and the comics and you think they're going to be, you know, cause they're going to want to start amping it up for people when they uh, ultimately remake these movies and incre- integrate them into the MCU.
0: I mean, I think that's a valid theory. I mean, they, there's a reason why. Uh, so Jonathan Hickman has a history with Marvel and he, he wrote uh, the Avengers and the multiverse of Marvel into a, a spectacular ending. Uh, in, leading to this series called Secret Wars, which now a lot of people are recognizing that term because it was announced at a I know Disney that event. Now. As, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, well, Hickman wrote that, and he... he. Um, is that Nick Fury, wrote or is that something else? Secret Wars? Yeah. Well, that's Secret Invasion.
1: Oh, yeah, sorry.
0: As far as an MCU title. So many secrets um, around. A lot of secrets. Um But he wrote that in 2015 and then went away and worked on a bunch of independent titles. Mm -hmm. But Hickman's always been someone who has this reputation of being able to write these, you know, kind of amazing crossover events that are you know jumping off points of note for the marvel universe and so i think there's a reason why they you know i'm sure he had to pitch this whole thing as everyone does with these with any of their x-men titles is pitch these ideas of what they want to do with them and then disney you know the executives of marvel get to decide you know who they're going to hand the reins over Mm -hmm. and so hickman was the start of this but then he gathered Around him, an entire office, the X office of writers and uh, illustrators and, you know, uh, ink inkers and, you know, letterists that all have been participating in this collaborative era of X-Men comics that to hear them in interviews sounds like they're all just in high heaven. Um, I mean, to talk to you a second ago about how the fact that like back in, you know, the sixties and seventies, Chris Claremont couldn't flat out say, yep, these are big old lesbians, yep. B- mystique and, 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 destiny. They, they're smooching and all that kind of stuff to go from there to where now new mutants just this last week, uh, finished a run, uh, with authored by Vita, Vita Ayala, I think is pronounced their last name, who is a, uh, you know, a, a, a black, Trans person writing for one of the most you know popular titles from the last 40 years of 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 Mm -hmm. x-men And in that title getting to be explicit about having conversations about queerness and race and and all of the above um, I think that's Amazing that we're in that era now of the x-men and it's all kind of bouncing off of this jumping off of this dawn of x era um, Which is why I was I thought this would be a really good first run to make an episode of this show about
1: yeah i mean because it's essentially like a soft reboot of the x-men comics as a whole so i yeah. feel like this would be yeah it's a good and, and as a newcomer at x-men comics i'm kind of more interested into like continuing this house of x powers of 10 storyline
0: yeah i i if you're someone who's reading house of x and powers of 10 like my first thing would say like you know keep reading it you know i i they're Uh, there's not any specific good titles I would say you 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 know have to read or shouldn't read I mean I think uh, a clear answer is like read the x-men title that vault it's just x-men it was it's it's uh no no adjective x-men um and because that was Hickman was at the helm of that and it delves further into like the creation and development of the Krakoa nation and these bigger plans that you know Professor X and Magneto have beyond even just Krakoa um because that was like step one and it also goes further into like this whole orcus event and nimrod and omega sentinel and all them Mm -hmm. being these villains um but like they're all uh, this is what's like the the benefit and detriment of what's been going on with the x-men comics is that they're all good. Like there isn't a title. that's like ah, hey, you could skip that. You know, don't worry about it. You could probably skip. It's like no, no. Hellions is full of just these weird villains that no one's gonna recognize. One of the best X Men books ever. Amazing. And that's a and that's um, a newer
1: one since House yeah. of X Power Ten.
0: Yep, that was a new one that was started just after House House of X Power Ten, which I could have just uh, shortened this entire time to what everyone colloquially refers to as Hoxpox. Um,
1: Hoxpox.
0: Hoxpox. I like that. Uh, it's it's very cute, isn't it? Hox pox. Uh, I mean, it, but it, it sounds all like, like
1: an illness, but it is.
0: <laughs> but like hoxpox, I got the hoxpox. You
1: know, I got the. It Fibo led for to. X-Men. Uh,
0: I had a fever it it had a bunch of like it led to a bunch of uh, titles with a bunch of uh, issues that then led to another crossover event uh, x of swords um which was a big part of another title that was uh, uh was excalibur that that was released alongside new mutants and hellions and x-men but x of swords was the next crossover event which then which was a great story about like uh uh, uh betsy braddock and apocalypse and uh this other forgotten group of mutants it was amazing and then that led to uh you know a, another crossover event later on called inferno which what which is the kind of culmination of moira's plan um and the results of her plan it's it's and it's just been it's still been going on they introduced this annual event called the x-men hellfire gala which is kind of the comic book version of the met gala where once a year all the mutants get all gussied up in high fashion and welcome um a certain group that i know no mutants no humans are ever allowed on krakoa but once a year at the hellfire gala they they let a few delegates and like the avengers and stuff come and they present to them uh the achievements of what the mutants can and yeah um and so that was a cool like annual event they've now started and we've had our we've had like two or three of those at this point and they're they're awesome i love the event every year a lot of illustrators get to go really fancy with Mm -hmm. um redesigning costumes and creating like the met gala version of their costumes it's cool that's cool that's fun i guess my my final question to you is like where is is there anything from this 12 these 12 issues that that remained unclear that was still confusing or that you feel like you missed out on
1: um the librarian and like the post-human stuff i don't know if that's like yeah. super important but like i was like i was a little lost by that
0: yeah like, that's I basically, that basically
1: like some... most of the year 1000 stuff
0: yeah the, uh, once that concluded in Hoxpox, pox i did i was left with the question of like is this going to be something that is going to continue will i need will there be more of I, this yeah, i felt like some of will... it was
1: like unanswered it was like ambiguous almost
0: in hindsight, now uh, having you know we're we're three years past it, it's it's I, I've I've understood now that like that was clearly just to show why at the end of Moira's ninth life, why she did what she did mm-hmm. in her tenth life. It was it was the final motivation to go. Okay, and yeah, to because like because this reboot this retcon of moira leaves a lot of questions of like you know like why did they do this why is moira now a mutant why if she's a mutant now why is she now why are they now introducing this idea that she had this plan with professor x all along to lead to the final you know um uh, you know proper and good like the good outcome of mutants and x1000 was that x1000 was finally like She knew she was, because Destiny had told her, you got 10, maybe 11 lives. Mm -hmm. She knew at the end of her ninth life, after having lived a thousand years plus at that point, she she had her, this was her one last try. And so it had to be the real one. And so that's what X-1000 was for. It's not important that we, you know, remember all those, you know, Chimera, the, 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 the those post humans and the phalanx and hive mind, all that kind of stuff. It's just like, but just
1: useful for her motivation.
0: Yeah. To know to that, like, like even, whole... even in a stress timeline that goes to a thousand years, even with that amount of time, with all that she had done, it still wasn't solved. Right. And so she had one more attempt to finally do it.
1: Nice. I like that.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Cool. Anything else?
1: No, it was a fun read though. I liked it. It was like really in-depth and engaging. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for the homework. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're new to X-Men comics as a newbie, if you're only a, a you know, a Brian Singer person, uh well don't say that. If you're only <laughs> if you're only somebody who's familiar with the the, the movies, um I I was like, give this a shot. Learn some yeah. learn some uh actual X-Men lore.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the the good news is that even if there are points in this that you get confused and you don't have someone like me to like point out like who the hell is destiny and, and um you know, what, what is a Krakoa that there, you do have plenty of resources online like, that are great. Yeah,
1: I looked at a couple of um like, after I read the first three issues, I watched a video that was like a brief summary of like what happened. And I'm like, okay, I got most of this, but like he cleared up some yeah. of the things that I missed.
0: But so. honestly, like uh, I, I, i love being a resource to people for this kind of Mm -hmm. stuff because i i have grown like i like i said i've been reading x-men comics since i was seven but i have never had a core friend group that read with me um i because just i've just never come across you know people you know in school or work who read it that much so i've just been i'm a 38 year old guy who's like just wants to talk x-men to somebody mm-hmm. you know um and so if you ever are reading through these comics or uh any of the x-men comics and want to talk about it, i i that is the one thing i will say like people are like yeah reach out to me on social you know at me on twitter you know uh send me a, a comment leave a comment on something and you on can reach john at one
1: 372 <laughs> shoot him a text
0: <laughs> yeah 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 um, and, and the good news about all of this if you want to read these comics is that they are all available on Marvel Unlimited because we are well past the time when these things end up on that platform so mm-hmm. I think it's only at like $5 a month now to yeah. subscribe I or maybe Marvel 10 movies, that's
1: how I read them so right on my iPad yeah
0: and, and the subsequent, uh, you know, pre- the the preceding titles are also still there. So all the ones I was talking about, like, you want to keep reading, they're there as well, like X-Men and Hellions and New Mutants and all that. Um, so it's it's like when you have found a TV show that, you know, you want to keep watching all the, the seasons afterwards. Like, it's there. Mm-hmm. You can, you can catch up. It's a whole backlog
1: you can catch up on.
0: There's a lot. Yeah. And, and th- thank you for saying that, Andy, because uh, something I want to continue to do with this show is go through the back catalog of other – Uh, crossover events and notable moments in X-Men history and read through those with, you know, whatever audience gathers around this show to like, you know, actually read through the original days of future past, the original Inferno, uh, extreme X-Men generation X, um, all these other great titles and moments from X-Men history that I love that I, that I think, you know, add to even what we're reading now because everyone who's writing for X-Men right now is a, major X-Men fan and they are just peppering in references and old names and old characters constantly because, you know, we can resurrect anybody. You know, no one, no one,
1: no one's ever really
0: gone. Yeah. No one's ever really gone. Not like literally now. No one's ever really gone. Um, So yeah, you can, you can definitely, it's a good jumping in point. Well, Andy.
1: (laughs) Uh,
0: Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Class of X. I'll see you guys next time.